Welcome to the Business Balance Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Langton. On here, I talk about all things that help you bring balance into your life, whether you're working in corporate or running your own business. To help you, don't forget to download my free workbook, Seven Steps from Overwhelm to In Control. You can get the link in the show notes. Now, through August, I'm bringing you interviews with some amazing people who share what helps them with the various aspects of work, business and balance so that you can get those tips to help you to perform better, be more productive without the stress and overwhelm. Enjoy the show. So welcome back to this week, listeners. And I've got a fabulous, my favouritist. This is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be very upsetting, possibly for my other listeners. But this is my <laughs> favouritist guest. I'm joined today by um, Susie Ramroop, who we met um, oh a good few years ago when we were on um, an event together, and just seemed to connect in some way, and then hit it off, and we've stayed connected ever since. Susie. Um, coaches uh, high performers and she's also a speaker and she writes for family magazine and um all sorts of other wonderful things so welcome to the show Susie thank you I think you're going to be my favorite host ever so there (laughs) there's a bit of favoritism going on here (laughs) so would you like to start just by telling my listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to do what you do now Yeah, so I coach high performers because I would have said I was a high performer. Um, I tried very hard to be that high performer in the people pleasing sense of the word. And um, I just wanted to be good at my job. And one day my boss said, God, if you want to be good at your job, you need to learn to do less. And I was utterly confused by that. Um, He had just got himself a coach and was going through a bit of an enlightened period. And he got me one as well. And I was really confused why she was asking me about me and my life and not my deliverables at work. And um, so I I went through the coaching process with her, which was just a sort of short term thing. Um, But I quickly realized that the people in my team who I wasn't quite getting through to um, could really benefit if I spoke to them in the way that she was speaking to me. In other words, I wasn't trying to fix everything. I maybe asked a few quite clever questions um so that's what got me to train as a coach that was in 2005 where coaching was not really a big thing um but I've had a few limiting beliefs at that time one of them being I can't sell and I don't like selling so that put me off starting my own business for a good decade (laughs) um and I dabbled around the edges with consultancy for a long time but um I had a, a time where I was effectively bullied um And I'm so grateful because it was so uncomfortable that I had to quit. And uh, in that journey of sort of recovering, really, and healing from that process and all the other stuff beforehand, like, you know, four redundancies and a loss of identity that came with that, I decided I was going to go full time into coaching and just focus on helping people, which is, you know, one of my superpowers. I see through uh, what people say to the truth of what's going on. And I think I have a good way of showing them that without it sort of undermining them in any way. 
So that and it's there's so much I could unpick with all of that really, but it, it's so interesting, isn't it? I talk a lot with the, the the leaders that I work with, you know, about the language that we use um, in order to be able to kind of <laughs> get get people to do stuff really, or you know, to yeah. get get them on board, or um, you know, to have them people feel sort of inspired rather than sort of be feeling like you you know you're just beating them with a stick to get them to do stuff um (laughs) and that can and that can make a massive difference really can't it I often say I've probably said this before on the podcast about you know sometimes I feel like I say to people I have ways of making you talk It's so true, like, though. Well, you know, it is, though, isn't it? I feel yeah. like somebody out of a Bond film, you know, that's sitting there kind of stroking the cat, you know, with the... the <laughs> but um, language is so powerful, isn't it? That either the language that we use with ourselves and the language that we use with other people. Yeah, um, and I think doing what we do, we've probably got words that we both pick up on stronger than anyone else would, um, given, you know, the way that we've got to doing what we do. But I was I was running a workshop this morning and um, one of the things that I acutely listen for is how much people use their head rather than their gut or their heart. And um, there was a lot of, well, I think, and, you know, if that makes sense and if I process and, you know, there were all this, there was all this thinky language. Um, And actually what we were talking about was true identity, which lies in your gut. You know, when you are at the core of who you are, that's a saying as well. It's your gut. You know, it's where your courage comes from as well. The problem is most people override it with their thoughts. So they know what to do. They have a gut instinct and then they run it up to their brain and go, hold on a minute. No, doesn't make sense. Or I have no evidence that that will work or that's never happened before. So, you know, language that we would both pick up on stuff like, well, I can't or um, I should, they're all based on assumptions about what other people are going to think about them or, or, and, you know, if we, if we get down to the root of it, how they'll be judged. Yeah. Because ultimately they want to be accepted. So, so it is really interesting that I listen out for certain things and sometimes I hear things more than others. And maybe that's because I need to hear them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I saw a post on somebody had put up on Facebook this morning, um, and it was all kind of right. I should be getting on with, and I should be, you know, doing this, 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 and this. But I just don't feel like it. So, any tips on? Uh, um, and I just actually went, no, I'm not doing that today. <laughs> <laughs> I could have responded about the whole, you know, the should is pushing, and it's setting the expectation on yourself, and it's it's you know it's pushing yourself and you know, you're working against everything and, and actually you're not going to get stuff done when you start with that, change that language up. Yeah. And I just thought, no, I'm not doing that piece of learning with them today. <laughs> just, let, just roll on past. This um, is too big a piece of work for one one post response. <laughs> yeah. It, sometimes it just can't be quite quick because then, you know, you just, it, it, it sounds like you're just kind of being flippant and yeah exactly so people even though it's intended to help people will often read a response from someone like us as not helpful when actually it's really helpful but they just haven't attuned their listening yet and they don't yet know the impact that that language is having on them I was talking at an event the other day and someone said well you know I feel I should and I should and I should and I said when did you get the email with whatever she said in the subject line and in the body, it said, do it. Who was that email from? And when did you get it? And she just looked utterly confused. But, you know, the should is coming from some belief that we've formed. It doesn't help us. 
ever. I can't think of a should that would help other than maybe childbirth. I really, I really ought to push at this point. (laughs) Even in that, you know, even in that I hit no birth and, and my, my birthing coach, as I would call her said, using the word push is not helpful. Um, you know, imagine it, pushing out a child into the world. It's just, it's just not very, it's not magical enough, you know, for something as special as childbirth. So I, w- I just said, um, actually, I'm never going to use the word push again in terms of what I want to bring into the world. So, you know, like you say, if I'm working and there's something that maybe I feel I ought to do, that just says to me, it can't be the right time or the right thing if that's what I feel about it. God, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then that leads us to you, you know, leaving that job and coming into doing to doing your coaching full time as well. Because we, you know, I bet people, the listeners are kind of quite surprised there when you said, you know, I was really badly bullied and I'm grateful Mm. for that. Because Mm. um, with... I never thought I was going to run my own business. I had my whole to- corporate career planned out and everything. And um, as I'll say frequently, when the girls came, I still had this lovely corporate plan about the maternity leave and um, or the adoption leave and, and, and when I was going to go back and what it was going to look like. And, and it didn't, it just didn't work like that at all. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and as hard as it's been, um, and at times, and I suppose even without adopting people with kids, you know, with families, sometimes you're like, can I just put them in a cupboard now? Or, you know, <laughs> can I walk away? Um, I've had enough of this. But without that difficulty, I would never have had my business. So yeah. again, you know, that's where I'm kind of grateful for for that for that difficulty, for that challenge that that came in life, really, because I would never have been where I am, never have met you. Would ne- There's loads of people I would never have met, things that I would never have done. And, and that must be similar for you as well. Yeah, I mean, if I think back to the number of chances I had to go and start my own business, I mean, imagine you have a skill, no one knows about it, you're pretty good at it. It's a, it was a wide open marketplace. And I just thought, you know, I didn't have a a template to follow. You know, if I think about what, what was I doing, the value that I was bringing, I was doing high end product development. So it was stuff that people hadn't done before. That's why I was a director of innovation, right? And so I should have been, should, okay with new, undiscovered paths, not trodden yet. Actually that, that could well have fallen within my comfort zone, but instead I, um, I chose to keep tolerating what I knew and so, you know, when I was bullied, I thought this is just, it, it was just, it wasn't the first time I'd been bullied in my career, but this was a, a moment where I was on that cusp, you know, my toe was touching the edge of my comfort zone and I was doing a bit of should I, shouldn't I, <laughs> should words coming off a lot today, but it does in a journey when you're going to stretch yourself and you've got to yeah. decide whether you're going to go with it and, and own it or not. And I was, my toe was touching the edge of that comfort zone. And the reason I'm grateful is because it's like she was inside my comfort zone, this woman, and she pushed me. <laughs> she just pushed me out. She gave me what I needed to make the step. And so it wasn't then so much of a, um, a brave step to go and set up my own business. It was a, how many times am I going to put myself through situations that clearly do not suit me anymore? before I own the fact that actually I'm meant to do something else. And 
you know, I think there's two ways of being motivated. You can either be motivated by something like a vision that is sexy and pulls you forward. I have to say I am not as much that person as I am motivated by things I don't want anymore. You know, so I, I personally respond better to having a good, strong reason not to continue yeah. more than I have a good, strong reason to do something new in favour of something that I can't quantify and don't really know, you know, which is why things like vision boards are great, but they, 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 I don't know, I can't quite make the connection or I haven't made it yet. Um, maybe because it is just, it's, it's either not enticing enough or I'm comfortable enough with my current life. They're the they're the two frank reasons. If I was my client, I would be saying right now. And yeah, giving up good for great is very, very, very um, sort of against the grain. Yeah. I get anyway, you totally. um, and and that's probably and that's you know, there's probably why we get on. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot for me as well with that. So I've always been a um a kind of well, I'm not putting up with that. Yeah, <laughs> and not afraid to say I'm not putting up with that, or I'm not tolerating that, or that's not acceptable. Or and then it's been so. What are we going to do about it? Um, and that's both in <laughs> personal life. I'm laughing because there'll be loads of people, you know, that have been uh, before have said, "No, Emma just doesn't suffer feels, and she'll just tell you how it is." And uh, you know, you just what you get is what you see with it and things. But that similarity about I am more driven by what is not acceptable to me, or the things that I kind of don't want to settle for, don't want to kind of live with, yeah. rather than a pull of some great big you know desire in front of you because actually I'm really grateful for loads of things in life and so I, I you know I don't kind of want like the big house or um you know the laptop lifestyle or well, I'm not saying or, I don't want the big house <laughs> well because I mean sometimes I go around the house that I've got and I'm like oh I've got all this to clean do I really need that you know can we just <laughs> that room there can we just put that stuff away there you know so I've sometimes spoken about maybe if we just get a smaller house, there'll be less stuff in it, there'll be less mess, there'll be less things to clean, you know. Um, the, the, that was why one of the first things that I outsourced in my business was to get a cleaner. And mm. people were like, it's not your business. No, but it enables me to work on my business. Yeah, yeah. Etc. That's part of the investment bit. But um, yeah, some, so some of those aren't some of those really big glamorous kind of dreams that, that I have. They're much more about making, you know, making life, I don't know, comfortable. It's a bit of, it always seems a bit of a wishy-washy word, but, you know, making life a bit easier, making things a bit more comfortable, just so that there's just much more flow and a lot less push. Yeah, but you like your holidays, don't you? So I think it's, you know, it's people like, uh, you know, I don't wear makeup and and I don't really spend loads of money on getting my hair done. But, you know, so some people just go, well, they're the things that I value and are important yeah. to me. They're not important to me. I know nails are important to you and holidays are important to you. For me, um, I, just time is the number one thing that's important to me. Yeah. And, um, and facials you know things like so so when I'm um spending outwardly or actively treating myself quite often it is just time in nature it's the simple stuff and and actually if you um I was just reading a quote uh, a stoics quote I think it was Seneca that said you know you should um 
something about living in poverty but like we should we should live a week a month in poverty um and you know obviously this is not to to downplay poverty but but quite a lot of the time we turn to spending mm-hmm. not necessarily investing we turn to spending to improve things when actually we could just turn to peace and simplicity um and then when you do want to invest in something like help from someone like us it's it's kind of a no-brainer because you haven't spent it all on you know beauty products and and whatever other sort of frivolous things i mean i used to spend um when i say frivolous i mean things that aren't going to change your emotional state fundamentally so um you know if i think about how much money i used to spend on holidays um it's probably about 15 grand a year um and i did that because i worked so much and had so little time that i was desperate for them and then when I started my own business, um, I could have come in and started off with this mindset. I have to confess, or oh, what? Well, you know, I can't afford that. Can't afford all those holidays anymore. Oh, 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 you know, and kind of had a minor panic. But actually, I didn't need them anymore. <laughs> you know, and I didn't really want to be spending all that time traveling. My life just got so much more simple. Hence, my company name, Make Life Simple. Because when I worked out that if I could design my schedule and work when I wanted to work and only work with people that I loved working with, actually the stress just sort of evaporated and I didn't so desperately have to cling on to things like holidays or, um, you know, wine, frankly. Yeah. You know, there are things that are in our life that we're just, they're our crutches um, and I feel like I, I don't need crutches anymore. Of course, when you start your business, um, for me, certainly, I, I tried to eliminate all of those things, but then it might tip you the other way into complete unhappiness where you've got absolutely nothing that will spark your joy. So, you know, you've got to be, I think it's worth investing the time to work out what actually brings you joy and what it, it's not really moving your needle. You know, it's just, it's there and you do it and it might even be recurrent. If I had a facial every week or every month, it wouldn't it wouldn't feel like something that was desirable to me. So, you know, I think mixing up um, how you respond to your needs is really important as well. And that's huge, really, uh, that I talk to people an awful lot about when I'm talking about getting the balance, you know, um, and whether that's between business and personal. Because one of the things that I often say is that we we need some of the little things in life that we can, we can just, you know, reach out to or we can just fit in or we can get from in ourselves or just on our doorstep because we can't always um, take a, even a spa day or a mm. holiday in order to kind of reset and recover ourselves. And because I work a lot with men as well, that a lot of them are like, well, but I'm all right when I go to the gym. And then they come to me and they go, yeah, but you know, and I got this injury. Um, so then I couldn't go to the gym. Um, and you know, the gym is taking a good couple of hours mm-hmm. out of their day on sometimes a daily basis, sometimes more than that. Then there are other people that are like wanting to book spa days or, or, you know, just living for the holidays, like you say. Um, and it's not, it's proven that it's not enough or it's not frequent enough, or they spend the first three or four days coming down from the work of the holiday and then they get ill (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, or they do have a little bit of rest and then they know that they're going home and they start ramping up again to sort of going home and going back to work and everything. So actually they get lucky out of a fortnight's holiday. They're lucky if they get like five days proper 
peace and respite from it. So that's an expensive piece of rest, yeah. really, when when they're not getting the whole of that time and mm. they've only got a certain amount of holiday time, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why, exactly like you, I'm kind of saying to people, go and take a walk in your lunch break, unplug mm. your phone, leave things, you know, find all the little basic things there that can just reset and create, you know, that balance for you. Yeah. So if there were things that you need other than a facial, I get where you're saying, where that quote is saying about the poverty, because then people can't just buy things to help them feel better. Yeah. They have yeah. to then appreciate what they've got and the surroundings and things. Yeah, I mean, I think buying stuff's a bit like anaesthetic, you know, yeah. and I, I've become really, really aware of when I'm anaesthetizing and I can anaesthetize um, by working too much. So, mm. for example, that will throw me straight back into the old corporate me whose ego was massively at play. You know, all of the patterns that I had corporately were for my ego. They weren't really for me as a person. Um, and when I, you know, I, I think it's just a, it's an awareness of when are you at your best? And, and I've noticed patterns recently, even where I, I, I'm, I'm not at my emotional best. I'm not at my productive best, but I'm just simply not as happy as I could be. And I put that down to, um, step count actually so I thought you know is it exercise is it doing classes is it, it it actually comes down to when you work from home getting out of the house yeah and step count so so there are days if I don't leave the house my mood is not what I would want it to be and if I have only done 5,000 steps for example my mood is not what I want it to be so you know I've worked out now that I need to do 10,000 steps now there are days when I get to um, 7 p.m and I've only done 7,000 actually having a commitment to myself that I do not go to sleep until I've got 10,000 that's the going back to motivation that we talked about that's the quite nice away from motivation that I need which is I made a commitment I won't go to sleep before I've done 10,000 steps. If I go to sleep now, having not done 10,000 steps, how am I going to feel about myself? Well, I'm going to feel like I've failed. I'm going to feel like I let myself down. My level of trust in myself will diminish. And so instead, what it gives me is me time. You know, after child is in bed, husband's cooking dinner maybe, I'll be like, I'm just going to go out for half an hour and then I come back and I feel good about myself. I've had fresh air. I've had a bit of time to decompress the day. You know, it's got so many benefits. And then on a day when I've done 5,000 steps by 9am, I feel like a rock star. And it's just steps. You know, it hasn't cost me anything. But yeah. it is about, I think, keeping a commitment to yourself. And that, for me, is a massive needle mover. Yeah, it's absolutely huge, isn't it? And I know the benefits of um, of getting out and about as well. But and it's not just for people that are working from home. It's the people that are in the office. At, Even more so, probably. Seven, seven in the morning till seven at night, been there, done that, later than seven at night. Um, and you, you don't take a lunch break and, you know, um, you hardly even walk down the corridor to the kitchen to grab a cuppa and things like that. That... Um, the you know that people can know that, that that mood and everything kind of diminishes i've got a client at the moment that um you know talked to me about um how he used to just drive home on his journey home and he was like ranting 
in his head about everything in the day and, um, you know, the things that had sort of built up in the day and he was just having a good old rant to himself and things like that. Working with me now, and he said, I'm doing so much more outside. The, for, for, for a couple of years, he'd wanted to get a personal trainer. He's not even finished working with me. He's, he's engaged with a personal trainer. He's, you know, switching off more in an evening. You know, he said, I used to like reading. I don't do that anymore. I've started to read again. Um, he liked to do little drawings and sketches. I, I spoke to him um, today and he said, oh, I've just bought one of these little notebooks with some um, pencils sort of attached to it. It's just going to go in my bag. So if I'm just waiting for a meeting, I'll do that. And it's all of that. And, and those things, again, cost practically nothing. Yeah. And all of those things that just, you know, re-energise us, like refuel us, just light us up. Mm-hmm. Andy will often come in from, from the office and just say, God, I've hardly moved today. I'm going to take the dog out. And, the dog, you know, and I'll go, oh, we've just taken him out. He's going to like, well, he's not going to mind. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> you know, but you, you don't have to have a dog to be able to just take that walk, as, as, as you say. Yeah. Um, Do you know what? I think, though, it, if you summarise what we're saying, it's about it comes down to valuing yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, me keeping a commitment to myself is a sign of valuing myself. Going out for a walk when it has no purpose, I think, is a massive sign of valuing myself. Yeah. So, you know, if I I think having a, a dog to walk is a good excuse to go out. But at the same time, if you if you made your commitment to go out without having a reason that is a dog, it's even better. So, you know, if I um, I have a, a, a course where I help people uh, shed weight. And one of the first things I get them to do is to go for a walk. And they say, well, I walk the dog. And I go, no, it has to be a purposeless walk because otherwise you're not valuing yourself. You're valuing the dog and you're valuing your child on the way to school. (laughs) But you're not valuing you just for you's sake to just take yourself out and do yourself some good. And people think they're valuing themselves. Well, I bought a new nail polish. Well, yeah, but how much value does that bring to you? How much more benefit do you get? other than just yet another colour in the portfolio of nail polishes, you know? So so I think valuing yourself is is key. And and at that point, if you can make the connection between that and the anaesthetic part, I think yeah. you're onto a winning formula for life. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um I think Benny Brown talks a lot, doesn't she, about doing the you know the numbing down and there's loads I I do it as well, but talking um, to people about the different things that they do to numb down those those emotions. And like you were saying at the beginning, they either staying in the head on the analytical stuff or, and, and not getting deep down into those sort of core feelings of value, self-worth, commitment, and things like that. And that's where we need to make sure that we are much more in touch with that emotional aspect of ourselves really and and own it because I think some people do recognize that it's there but then try and think of other things and pretend they've not thought of it and that it's not there you know but really own those those thoughts and those feelings that they have and yeah because I don't think it's even that conscious for some people is it I mean you know for me i'm really i pay a lot of attention to this personally where if i feel like something's becoming a habit some people might be happy about that but actually it's an alarm bell for me because if um if you know i am thoughtlessly going to the gym even i'll be like right i've obviously come to need this 
And for me, that isn't healthy. So that's why I like the idea of sort of mixing up routines and doing different things and trying new things because it keeps your keeps your brain in check. You can't form neural pathways quite so easily. You know, if you if you are doing a different sport every week, some people say, well, that's not good. You should build up stamina, bloody blah, blah. But actually, from my point of view, the main reason people do it is to um, keep fresh build their mindset and actually if you can build build your mindset with being comfortable with new I think that's a much more healthy thing to teach yourself in the long term so you know when I get when I get quite complacent let's call it about going to body balance for example yeah I'll just think right okay maybe I need to mix this up a bit maybe I need to not go to body balance and do something else this week or um you know same thing with wine when you end up buying six bottles of the same wine or you always buy the same wine or you always order the same curry or you know all of those things are just keeping your self static um and you know I do do it and I have to catch myself and quite a lot of the time what I like to do is say to my husband you order you pick um and you know when you get when you get like that it's then quite easy to to try things that are new but also to give things up that you don't think are that healthy to you like I haven't been drinking for the last six weeks I haven't missed it I just paid attention to how does it make me feel and is it adding any value and actually I didn't love what I was drinking if someone gave me an outstanding glass of wine I'd probably enjoy it but do I want to just drink my, you know, bog standard bottle of, uh, you know, Albarino or whatever? Well, actually, I've become a bit passe about it. No, it doesn't do anything for me anymore. I've had this conversation with um, with quite a few people as well recently. Um, and again, and then it brings us back to, you know, what is it that's making you want to do this change? Because the ch- for me, change is always good. Changes, changes, always, always good. Um, but then, you know, part of the work that I did in corporate was was supporting some of the, the organisational structures. Well, they were every eighteen months anyway, so they were always. Um, <laughs> so what you get for telecoms, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, so change is always. I've always been pretty comfortable with change, anyway. Um, but then on the subject of change, you know, I'm in the menopause now. I know they call it the change, but you know, in the menopause now, and um, it can be a bit of a cruel thing, I think at times, because things like um, stress, uh, chocolate, wine, all hit off the the hot flushes. And I say to people, but I've been tracking it. Mm. I know what, because again, I was like, well, I am putting up with this. (laughs) What can I do about it? Um, it might be the menopause, but it's not getting me. <laughs> it's not. It's not. So um might affect everybody, but I'm not having it as bad as everyone else. Um, so I started tracking it. And then, I, you know, I was saying to people, but no, no, I've stayed off, I've stayed off the wine. Um, and I found that things were a lot better because what outweighs it is, well, I can have a glass of wine. I have a hot flush. I have a couple more in the uh, uh, flushes through the night. So then I don't get my sleep. So then I feel not as great in the morning. So then the bigger thing that outweighs it is I'd rather have my sleep, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do without the wine to have my sleep. Yeah. Same. Again, a conscious choice, you know, that you've got that awareness and that you'd be able to make that difference in things. And um, and people go, oh, that's really, oh, I'd rather just have my wine. or Oh, that's really, really bad. And I go, well, you know, it's maybe a bit not fair, but. 
You know what? It takes courage, though, doesn't it? Because because yeah. people think change requires courage, but also change where it requires you to step out of what people expect of you, I think, yeah. is even more so. So, you know, say you've got a group of friends and you always go for wine. It's what you do. Um, and, you know, I used to, I've given up, not given up consciously, but realised I haven't had wine for 10 days, a number of times in the last probably 18 months. But then I have that group of friends and then I start drinking yeah. wine again and then the, the cycle begins again and this time I just, I just I'm just not enjoying it I don't feel the need to have to rationalize it or explain it to anyone or justify it I just don't fancy it it's not a big deal so you know it's just become now not a thing to do without any cost to the relationship or the joy or the fun that I experience when I'm out with those friends and I think people people wrap it up don't they and go yeah but if I don't drink then I won't have fun and then those people won't like me anymore and 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 actually I think we're living in an age now where it's just you know millennials have created this set of expectations where things are just different I'm just going to pretend I'm one (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly that let's not get down that road of um, another big discussion on millennials or anything but if you were if you were gonna if you were gonna give some advice to your younger self Susie what would it be um I would say stop faking it because I I had some beliefs like I wasn't confident for a long time um, and people will always form their opinions about you, but I, but I fueled them and I gave the impression that I was um, probably lacking in emotion when actually I had a lot of emotion going on. But what that did for me is it meant I didn't have an avenue to express it. And then, of course, it just builds up and it explodes at some point. And, you know, it's got to come out. It's going to have to come out at some point. So I think it would just be, you know, don't fake it. Find people around whom you feel safe and can everyone else <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's interesting because there was a, a conversation that I had with a client yesterday and she said I've kind of this there'd been a bit of a um heated sort of text exchange with this with this uh, friend um who and she said I don't know whether I should step in to repair that or whether I should just leave it um and I just did my thing where I just look at them and leave the silence in there and and just went, you know, you kind of know the answer to that really, don't you? And she was like, yeah, I do. And and sometimes it's okay to leave behind things that are just not serving you well, you know, and whether that is wine, a corporate career, you know, or a friend um, or people that are not supportive to you. I think, you know, that is something that people need to have that courage. We've talked about that a lot today, but, you know, to have that courage and conviction to be able to do that and not worry about it, I think. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of stigma attached to um, relationships and certainly, yeah, I've got a seven-year-old and I am trying to teach her that the number one behaviour that she should connect with and, and, exhibit because she already has it she doesn't have to learn it is kindness and Mm. she then spots when kindness doesn't land she knows that there is something off and she knows it isn't her and so you know if if I had been equipped with that I think I would have come across as a very different person and I don't think it would have affected my success in life which 
I definitely did believe way back when I thought I had to be colder and more decisive um, and and have all the answers. And I, I actually, you know, I didn't. Yeah. So we and we don't have all the answers. What what a what a lovely place to leave it, really. You know, have that courage, um, be kind, and know we don't have all the answers. That's a fabulous way to leave it. Susie, thank you so much for thank you, um, for joining me. Do you want to just tell people where they can find you? Yeah. So on LinkedIn, I am Susie Ramroop Mindset Coach. I'm on Facebook as Coach Susie Ramroop. I'm probably on LinkedIn more these days than I am anywhere else. Um, you can find details of um, things that might help you actually is susieramroot.com forward slash playing small. Um, because if I summarize what I was doing when I had all of these habits that I thought were serving me what weren't, yeah. I was really playing small. I wasn't giving myself enough space to live up to my true potential. So go look that up and, um, and let me know where you're playing small. There's nine possible ways. I've done them all. So don't feel bad about declaring them. <laughs> that's brilliant thank you so much and i'll put all the links in the show notes for the listeners so that they can go and get them um straight away with one easy click and then for all my listeners do get in touch with either of us let us know what you uh, think of the show and what you would like to hear next and then i'll be seeing all of you again on the next episode bye for now (laughs) 